Hello, I'm Nitin Seem for the American Thoracic Society. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Breathe Easy podcast. Today, we have a special presidential podcast with ATS President Dr. David Gozel and President-elect Dr. Mark Moss. They will update us on some of their hard work over the last year and tell us about some of the exciting plans for the upcoming International Conference in May in Washington, D.C. I'd like to start by first asking Dr. Gozel to introduce himself and his title at the University of Chicago. Hi, I'm David Gozal. I'm the current president of the American Thoracic Society and also a professor of pediatrics uh, at the University of Chicago with uh, in, uh, specialties in pediatric pulmonary and uh, sleep medicine. And I'm Mark Moss. I'm the president-elect of the American Thoracic Society. I'm a professor of medicine and vice chair of clinical research in the Department of Medicine, um, and I'm a pulmonary critical care adult doctor. Well, thank you both for taking time out of your certainly very busy schedules. Um, and so I want to start the podcast with a question for Dr. Gazal. Um David, I know that one one focus of your presidency has been helping international members participate in in, in the conference, um, as well as developing alternative conference models for those who aren't able to participate in person. So I know you travel um, a lot and participate in, in many international uh, respiratory conferences uh, during your time on the ATS Executive Committee. So I was wondering, in the current climate, what are your thoughts on, on improving that, that experience for international members? Thank you, Nitin. Uh, let's start with the most important uh, issue that has preoccupied us as an ATS community, um, and that relates to the travel-related executive order restricting uh, the travel of uh, citizens of uh, several countries uh, uh, located around the Middle East uh, region. Um, besides the fact that uh, uh, of the pot potential political implications that it has to do, there is a moral implication, which is that we as scientists, physicians, and individuals who care for mankind and want to help uh, the, all the world uh, breed better, um, we view this with great uh, concern and uh, would like to echo our sentiment of solidarity with all those that are potentially affected. As part of this sense of solidarity, many of our international members have uh, indicated some reluctance in coming to the upcoming conference uh, in D.C. and uh, also by virtue of concern that they may get uh, delayed in their flights or that may be restricted in their ability to enter the United States, and that such trouble is not worth it uh, to uh, to therefore come and attend the conference. And I would like to, one, uh, iterate to all of our members and those who are thinking of coming to the ATS conference that they should do so. They should vote with their feet that this is probably the best way to support the American Thoracic Society, who as an organization has shown time and time again its uh, great concern for all the human principles and the solidarity with all those that are affected irrespective of where their country of origin, religion, uh, creed, or any other type of personal attributes. We see the community of the ATS and its membership and all those that come and attend the conference as a very important venue to exchange ideas, to help everybody 
uh, foster their uh, medical and scientific uh, uh, communities in their own countries and to develop science uh, in the best possible fashion. And so vote, I, would, I would urge all of you to vote with your feet and come. And for the second reason is that if you don't come and the conference is restricted in the number of participants, there are consequences, uh, financials and others, that will therefore preclude or limit our ability to engage and advocate for all the things that we hold dear. So uh, this is actually a very important uh, facet of what we do at ATS, which is advocacy, and we'll talk a little bit about it later. Um, but we wanted to emphasize how important it is uh, to come to the to the conference and uh, be here with us and demonstrate to all that we really care for everybody uh, in the world. Well, just to, to follow up, I, I um, obviously we would encourage everyone to make those best efforts and, as you said, vote with their feet. Um, but I know you, as uh, one who's uh, been very forceful in advocating for the thoughtful use of, of technology, um, so I was wondering if you wanted to update our listeners about progress on alternative conference models. Absolutely. Um, it is clear that uh, we are all very busy professionals, um, and in parallel with our very busy lives that hold us, uh, uh, you know, accountable for many of the aspects of what we do today at our own institutions, whether it's here or elsewhere in the world, uh, the distance and effort and cost that are associated with travel and attendance of conferences needs to be compensated by some degree of content. And in as much as we believe that there's no replacement for the human person-to-person uh, -person contact and interactions that exist within the international conference and other venues, um, there is a lot of value that has been added by introduction of technology and other methods of engaging in conferences. As a, as, as a function of that, we already, within the international conference, will start a process of relatively uh, wide uh, webcasting uh, real-time of a particular uh, symposia or lectures uh, that will take place at the conference. Uh, we will do this effort particularly for our colleagues uh, and, and friends who are in the areas that have been uh, most affected by the travel restrictions. Um, but we will also seek over the next several years um, opportunities to create virtual conferences that are both uh, really engagement real-time and also use the technologies that are available in order to foster uh, groups of, uh, and conference venues uh, elsewhere uh, by using the Internet and other technologies uh, as the vehicle for dissemination and implementation of knowledge. So I think that uh, this is already happening, but uh, we, we will see certainly a surge in those efforts over the next few years under the capable leadership of uh, uh, the uh, uh, president-elect, Dr. Moss, and those that will come after him in the executive committee. And uh, this is an unavoidable process, uh, one that we need to embrace, and we are embracing it by not only implementing it already now, but also by investing a very large uh, efforts and resources to further expand the capability of the ATS in the context of uh, uh, virtual uh, reality and virtual education uh, all over the globe. 
Well, I think that's very exciting, and I know you've been a, a very forceful advocate for thoughtful implementation of technology as we think about the, the conference of the future. Um, uh, for Dr. Moss, I wanted to follow up uh, about something I, I know that's important to you. Uh, I saw recently uh, an email from ATS um, mentioning that ATS is one of the co-organizers of the upcoming South American Critical Care Conference. Uh, I believe it's in July. So I was wondering if you could tell us uh, about this conference and, and ATS's involvement. Sure. Similar to what David just talked about, about the need to come up with alternative and additional educational opportunities, we identified the perceived um, need for enhanced critical care training in Latin America. So we're very happy that in collaboration with the Brazilian Thoracic Society and with the Latin American Thoracic Society called ALAT, we're holding a joint conference, a state-of-the-art multidisciplinary conference focused on critical care. The inaugural conference will occur in Sao Paulo, Brazil. I mean, as you mentioned, Nitin, it is from July 13th to the 15th of this year, 2017. And we thought we would focus on a specific theme, um, and the, this year's conference will be on acute respiratory failure and mechanical ventilation. Um, we anticipate the majority of attendees will come from Latin America, um, but we're hoping some other um, attendees from around the world will consider coming to this meeting also. We're very excited about the program. There's a lot of... Um, top-name, international, state-of-the-art um, lecturers that will be coming and giving talks at the meeting. Um, there will be a lot of time for interaction between um, speakers and attendees. And one thing that they're going to do is there will be a video streamed live um, experimental studies that are done showing things like lung recruitment, lung ventilation strategies, and how they affect um, physiology that will be performed in a research laboratory um, across the street um, in, in Sao Paulo and then be live streamed into um, the conference. Um, so we're very excited about that, that new use of technology and live streaming um, true scientific experiments so people can see um, what they also have heard and read about in the past. Sometimes a picture or a video is worth a thousand words. So we're very excited about that. We anticipate there will be the this will be the first year of many years of holding conferences like this in Latin America. And as I said, um, it's uh, very, very likely to succeed and be successful and grow, especially with the input and collaboration of our, uh, of our colleagues and collaborators um, in Latin America. Uh, that, that sounds amazing. Um, so I, I think that uh, that'll be something that really is putting into practice what, what David was, was uh, talking about in terms of uh, for our international members and thoughtful use of technology. Uh, David, I also wanted to talk about something that's very timely, um, and it's obviously advocacy lung, for lung health is an important part of the ATS mission. Um, uh, you know, I saw an email from uh, ATS last week in, a, that, in which you were quoted um, referring to the recently proposed budget cuts that may certainly adversely impact biomedical research. Uh, and I wanted to get you to respond in terms of what efforts um, ATS is putting forth to advocate on behalf of members. Thank you, Nitin. Um, it, it comes as no surprise that uh, our position as the American Thoracic Society related to the proposed budgetary cuts is one of complete uh, opposition to such cuts. 
Um, it also should come as no surprise that uh, uh, we do not, even if we do not believe that the extent of the proposed cuts will actually go through the approval process, uh, it is likely, however, that some degree of budgetary cuts will take place in areas that are either at NIH or other um, other offices, such as the EPA or uh, CDC or um, etc. That uh, that obviously have to do with many of the activities that the ATS uh, sees as part of its core missions. Uh, for that, uh, we need to uh, raise our voices, and uh, the advocacy efforts are not only in the in in the form of the emails or cast podcasts that we will do. Uh, as a matter of fact, we will be uh, next week um, with many of the chapter representatives, patient uh, patient roundtable uh, representatives, and and patient groups. Um, in Washington, D.C., meeting uh, with Congress uh, in, in the Hill and with, with uh, some of the senators' offices in order to express our dismay and our opposition to the current uh, budget and also to emphasize that even if the cuts are less than what they are proposed, that this continues to be a very bad uh, decision for the long term. And the, the, the reason is simple. We have gone through substantial attrition in real dollars uh, of the uh, of the uh, research budgets that are allocated to uh, investigators. What what the effect is is that there is uh, a substantial disincentivization of the junior faculty, particularly the next generation, in embracing a career in, in research. And when that happens, you lose a generation, you lose two, and then you're, you are essentially um, depriving all of the society of all the benefits of the discoveries that take place in that joint effort, which is a, a process that is complex and any perturbation can lead to havoc in, uh, in that process. So uh, with that, we need to go and advocate for... Um, for the um, uh, appropriate appropriation of resources to sustain and foster the development of research and in that process develop the next generation of uh, researchers at, in all the venues of, of research that we uh, support and embrace. There's another aspect uh, which uh, you know has to do with um, what we do at ATS, which has to do with the patient. Our preoccupation is not just uh, for the professionals that are part of our membership, but also who they take care of, and uh, these are the patients. And as such, we review with great concern also uh, all the changes that are likely to happen in the healthcare uh, landscape, and that those will have substantial adverse repercussions on patient health and uh, patient options for care and preclude us as uh, caring members of, of such patients um, to deliver the optimal care, evidence-based care that uh, they deserve. So in that perspective as well, we as, an, as a society need to advocate for our patients, need to advocate for the research and the contributions that our members make day in, day out, and need to advocate for the future particularly the future of the generations that will come after us and who will 
develop the next cures and any day that we lose momentum is a major is a major loss for mankind and that's the way we view it that's the way we feel it in the executive committee and all of us uh, at ATS and as such we need to be the um, the vocal uh, part of uh, of uh, raising the concerns and advocating along with other uh, with other partners uh, for research for healthcare and for our patients well, uh, Mark, I, I wanted to follow up on, on, on what uh, David just said. Uh, you know, obviously there'll be um, uh, efforts uh, next week that, that David uh, mentioned in terms of advocacy on Capitol Hill. But um, in, I guess, almost about two months now, um, it seems to be a very timely year for the ATS International Conference to uh, to take place in, in, in Washington, D.C. Um, so I was wondering, you know, um, are there any specific efforts that will be coordinated uh, with the conference to take advantage of the site being uh, Washington, D.C. this year? Yeah, I wish we could... Uh say that we planned this all out, that we wanted the meeting in Washington for all the issues going on in Washington, but uh, sometimes it's better to be lucky than uh, than good, and I think this is a situation where we were fortunate to have the meeting in Washington. First thing I would say is to, to reiterate something David said earlier, I think people can vote with their feet, and I think uh, it would be important to have a large showing at the meeting um, to show that we, we do, um, we are a very welcoming society, we're a very welcoming country, and I think we can show that at the international conference one thing we are doing is we're trying to take advantage of that the meetings in washington where a lot of government agencies are and the washington ats office has done a spectacular job of organizing additional sessions at the meeting that i think would be of benefit to attendees so several representatives from different government agencies different branches of the nih um, the fda the epa um, et cetera, will be at the meeting. Um, there's going to be a studio that is sort of continuously running throughout the entire meeting with programs that are directed by um, these different agencies. So I would encourage attendees to go to those meetings to, number one, learn about programs and policies that the NIH has that you might be unaware of, kind of understand a little bit of what their future directions and figure out what the NIH is thinking about uh, proposed budget cuts and how they um, see it uh, um, affecting what they're able to do in their mission. It also gives the people the opportunity to ask questions about concerns that they would, would have. And finally, um, it allows people to meet with the leadership of some of these um, government agencies and learn more about the process, even if it's just about grant reviews or how to submit um, proposals or sort of uh, kind of how their um, operations work. So we're very excited about that opportunity. We're also looking into, I don't know if it's uh, been finalized, to have a, a rally on Capitol Hill for members of uh, the society and attendees at the meeting to go to. Uh, the goal of this would be to raise awareness about some of the um, pressing and important issues, such as NIH funding, such as the, uh, the Affordable Care Act potential repeal, um, EPA air pollution issues. Um, so we're, we're working on seeing if we can set something up where people would maybe at the end of the day, um, a large group of individuals that are interested in this would go and 
and, and voice our concern um, as a unified voice. And I think that's one thing that the ATS can do. If we speak individually, it's kind of makes some noise. If collectively we have hundreds or thousands of people saying the same message, it carries a little bit more weight. So we're, taking, we're trying to take advantage of uh, having the meeting in Washington in several ways, as I just outlined, and we're very excited about those possibilities. Just wanted to add, uh, if I may, um, to what Mark just said. Uh, we're also doing quite a bit of effort uh, with our international membership, and uh, we hope to hold a variety of um, meetings uh, with uh, located at embassies of countries and organizations that, uh, with whom we see as sister societies, in order to promote the issue of clean air, the issue of uh, importance of TB and TB control, uh, the issues of um, uh, global epidemics uh, that affect the respiratory system, um, as well as uh, many of the diseases that are obviously pervasively present uh, around the globe. So from that perspective, I think that the location of Washington is not one where we look internally and inward into our own um, political system and how best to take advantage and leverage, as Mark said, all the organizations with whom we interact and with and who can help our members directly or indirectly, but also to indicate and and communicate with our international membership and help them in their advocacy efforts and also in their uh, acknowledgement of the importance of respiratory diseases around the world. Well, that's uh, obviously a lot of uh, a very interesting, um, uh, um, uh, you know, aspects of, of leveraging uh, the location there that you both have, have outlined. Um, now, I wanted to spend some time actually talking about the scientific program, um, and I know, obviously, David, this is the culmination of your year as ATS president, and I know you put a lot of time and effort into thinking about the conference, and so I'd like to ask your personal reflection on what are you most looking forward to at the uh, at the conference in D.C. in May. So, um, you know, the international conference is um, an extraordinary venue. It's an extraordinary venue for several reasons. It's because of the science, because of the networking, because of the learning opportunities, because of the fact that uh, you can develop pathways and use pathways as a way of navigating uh, that conference and try to extract the maximum uh, bang for the buck, if you wish, uh, of your time and effort and, and expense. So I think that in that aspect uh, of the conference, we have uh, Dr. Zia Borok uh, as, and Jess Mandel, who are the chair and the vice chair of the conference, and all the program committee chairs have done an extraordinary uh, amount of work to facilitate that process along with the ATS staff. God bless them. They are the best team that uh, we could ask for. And in and as such, we have uh, rallied and put together what I think is an extremely exciting conference, not only because of the innovation and and the scientific breakthroughs that will be presented, but also by virtue of the scope of its of the presentations and the um, breadth of of many of the in-depth coverage of many of the respiratory diseases and other aspects that are of interest to us. So I think that this is going to be a, a, an extraordinary conference. 
If I were to look at this a little bit in a more detached fashion rather than the enthusiastic uh, approach that uh, we all take as, as part of the executive committee in the ATS, uh, I would say that uh, for the first time, we will see the penetration of um, of technology as part of the conference and that should facilitate learning at the more personalized level. And this is where we are aiming to, to achieve, uh, to develop a pathway that is not just a general pathway for each conference goer. So assuming some themes, five or six pathways, but actually if we have 17,000 attendees, to develop 17,000 individualized, personalized, precision pathways for these individuals and help them, for the attendees and help them um, navigate the system by catering to their personal needs. And we're gonna make that first effort this time. Uh, this will continue to build up over the next few years. And so to me, that's uh, uh, a very exciting perspective that uh, I look forward to experiencing and to also get feedback from our members and att attendees in order to optimize this over the next few years. Well, that sounds exciting, and I would definitely provide you feedback with uh, uh, regarding that. Um, and so, Mark, I wanted to ask you as well about your, uh, what you're looking forward to at the conference. Uh, obviously, you have many obligations as, uh, as the president-elect, um, uh, and so could you tell me in your little bit of free time uh, what uh, le lectures or other sessions are you looking forward to and, and hope, hopeful to attend? Yeah, I, I I would build on what David said. I'm also looking forward to uh, the new technology. I think it's something that uh, has been a little bit overdue. Um, I think we're a little bit on the cutting edge, too. Um, I think it will be transformational in terms of people's experiences at the meeting. Sort of as a segue there, I, I kind of think I the, the meeting is uh, more of a forum or as much of a forum for impromptu educational opportunities. Uh, I think I learned more in the hallways or at poster discussion sessions or in the thematic poster sessions as I do in or as much as in large formal symposium or keynote speaker. So I always look forward to those impromptu um, educational opportunities. In terms of um, more programmed um, um, things that I'm looking forward to. I really do like, in general, the hands-on sessions. Um, I think people and members have asked for more of those, and um, sessions such as the ultrasound course um, are very popular. Um, I think everyone, at least in the ICU, can get better at doing ultrasound. So um, I think that's something that is uh, is it should be an exciting session. And another thing that started maybe about five or six years ago that I think are always really, really enjoyable and, and, and educational are the JAMA New England Journal sessions where they present and discuss new papers that are hot off the press. Number one, you're learning just, you know, brand new information that's just being released at the meeting. But it's also interesting to hear the editors of those journals talk about considerations that they put into why those papers got accepted, um, what concerns they had about it, hear the authors kind of debate and talk back and forth about the significance of the science. So that's really kind of cutting edge information. 
And there are also, in a kind of a similar vein, um, I like some of the pro-con debate sessions, again, to take a topic that's controversial, so things in critical care, volume resuscitation strategies, et cetera. And um, uh, Zia Bork and Jess Mandel did a good job of programming um, uh, several of these kind of pro-con debates. Um, so I think it's a grab bag. I, I really look forward to a variety of the educational opportunities. Um, as I said, some of the more uh, impromptu, um, kind of on on the fly type learning that that occurs at the the meeting, and some of the the more organized sessions that are um, that generate lively debates. Yeah, sometimes the um, the the best learning opportunities are at the bar around the corner after you've looked at all the abstracts and, and absolutely. And, and argue and argue with your colleagues. Uh, yeah. uh, I'd like to thank Dr. Gozal and Dr. Moss for participating in today's Breathe Easy podcast. And I would encourage our listeners to listen to our uh, the rest of our podcast archived on the thoracic.org podcast homepage or subscribe to the Breathe Easy podcast on iTunes. I'm Nitin Seem for the American Thoracic Society. <laughs>